Hi, Rockstar. Christina Cantors from The C Method here. I'm currently on maternity leave and taking a break from the podcast, but I'm excited to share with you a selection of best of episodes, which are some of my personal favorites from the standout Get Noticed back catalogue. To get access to 200 plus podcast episodes, as well as monthly online courses and live webinars, become a premium member and join The C Method Academy at thecmethod.com slash join. In this best of, I take you back to January 2020, where we meet Jonathan Maltby, personal branding and career consultant. If you feel like 2020 has put you into a bit of a career rut, this episode is for you. Enjoy. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome back to Stand Out, Get Noticed. I'm your host, Christina Cantors, speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals to build powerful communication skills. At this time of the year, you might be doing a bit of a career re-evaluation, perhaps thinking about if your current role is right for you, perhaps you're feeling a bit dissatisfied with where you're at. Maybe you're thinking, is this all there is? I know I've gone through those feelings and it happens to me in business as well. You know, we start to reevaluate what's going on for us. What are we doing? You know, and maybe you're feeling a bit stuck or you don't know what to do next. Now, all of this is okay. We all go through this. And if this is the case for you, then I'm really excited that you're tuning into this episode um, because this is what we're going to be addressing. And I'm really excited for you to meet my very special guest, my, my first podcast guest for 2020 no less. Um, And his name is Jonathan Maltby. Jonathan is a personal branding and career consultant who is all about empowering you to take control of your career by helping you to identify exactly who and what you are professionally, as well as uncover your unique skills and strengths. He teaches clients how to build a, a, pers- a powerful professional identity. He helps people confidently talk about themselves and communicate their brand and so, in, so that you can ask, answer the question, you know, tell me about yourself in a way that uh, exudes confidence and certainty. Now, if you have been listening to this podcast for a while and have been following me, you'll know that I'm a huge fan of that, of being able to communicate yourself and and learn to understand yourself better and put this out to the world. So I was really excited um, when I met Jonathan and, um, of course, I had to invite him on the show. In this conversation, we we focus on why people become dissatisfied with their careers Um, Jonathan shares why 37 years old is the magical age for having what he calls a professional identity crisis. We talk about what uh, what are professional blind spots and why they they are key to discovering your unique value. And you'll also learn how to build more visibility and value both within your company and outside your company. I'm confident that this episode will be valuable for you if you want to take control of your career and do work that you find meaningful rather than being a, you know, a bum on the seat. Sound good? All right, let's meet Jonathan Maltby. Jonathan Maltby, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. This is really exciting. You are a career consultant and personal branding expert. You know, I have a lot of friends. I'm, so I'm 33. Okay. I've got a lot of friends who are in their, you know, mid to late 30s to early yes. 40s. And I'm noticing a lot of them are getting kind of like they're lost or they're a bit depressed yeah. about their work situation. Is this something that you're seeing a lot of? Yes, more more and more. Um, I have a lot of people who come to me 
in, in that state of, you know, they, they're confused. They don't know what they are. They don't know what, what they want to do. Mm. They, they've got good jobs in many cases and they've got good degrees. They've got good education. They've got good jobs, but they're just, they're just not feeling it. And they're going, you know, I, I go to bed at night, but I'm not feeling fulfilled and I'm not excited to go to work the next morning, even though I do have a good job and maybe I'm getting paid well. But, mm. you know, there's something lacking. Um, and that's usually when they come to me going, I think I want to change career, but I have no idea where I want to go next or what that looks like. Yeah. And I know like we've spoken before and you've mentioned that this is, I want to say this right, you, you call it the 37-year-old professional identity crisis. That's right. Why 37? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Um, over the last couple of years, um, I've noticed a lot of people coming to me with those sort of similar problems. And when I ask them their age, um, they all go 37. So I call it like this this magical age. I'll give you an example. I was I, I had a, a, a potential client that, that gave me a call on the phone and she wanted to have an initial sort of conversation. And she was describing how she was feeling lost in her career and, you know, she not knowing which direction to go and not knowing how to brand or what to call herself. And she goes, I've got so many opportunities on the table, but I don't know what a good opportunity looks like or what I should be aligned to. I'm really struggling to tell people who and what I am because I don't know myself. Mm. And I said to her, I said, okay, that's interesting. Can I can I try something with you? And she's like, okay. And I hadn't even met her yet. Yeah. It was just on the phone. And I said, can I guess your age? And she was like, well, why? And I said, bear with me on this one. I said, are you 37? And she goes, oh, my God, how did you know that? I said, I, I don't know. And I kind of explained what typically happens around that age. Um, 37, people kind of stop in their tracks and they get this feeling and they go, I wonder what else is out there. I really need to start taking better control of my professional aspects mm. of my life. I feel like I've been drifting for a bit. So what have people been doing? Like when you say drifting, like what what have been people doing in their careers in their 20s and you know early to mid 30s that's then resulting in that? So usually in your 20s when you start off your career, you're collecting, you're in the collection phase. You're collecting your skills, your experiences, um, you know, you're you're starting to build your areas of expertise. So you you're in that build mode. But as you get older, you start reevaluating where all of those things start fitting. So as you get into your late 30s, into your 40s, you start getting into what I call the editing mode of your career, where you go, well, I've got all this sort of stuff, but do I still need it and want it, depending on where I want to go? Do I want to be known for what I was doing 10, 15 years ago? Or do I need to shed some of those things and edit out what I no longer want to be doing and no longer want to, what I want to be known for? And and what do I decide to focus on and keep and then build? Mm. I guess it must also depend on p different stages of life. Yes. Like you're a different person in your 30s than who you were in your 20s. That, that's it. And and you have different priorities. Yeah. Um, you know, things that used to matter to you in your 20s don't so matter into your 30s. And it changes when you're in your 40s and 50s. I've got clients in their 60s and it's all a different set of priorities depending on what stage you're at in your life. What were you doing in your build phase in your 20s? <laughs> Um, okay, so I've changed career nine times. Um, wow. I haven't had nine jobs. I've had <laughs> nine separate careers. So wow. in my 20s, I was a high school teacher. So I was qualified as a teacher. I was teaching English and history and social studies, and, and that was great. Um, I then moved into adult education, worked in that for a while. And then I decided to take a break from that and try something different. So I got into sales and I learned the concepts of sales and then I got into marketing. Okay. Can I pause you there? Yeah. So you say, okay, you went from teaching to teaching yeah. adults, yeah. then working in marketing and then sales. 
what was the thought process like when it came to make that change? Because that's often difficult for a lot yes. of people. Yes. What was the? What did you actually go through to make that change? You know, emotionally. So I think you know. When I was doing a lot of those changes, I, I kind of thought, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I'm wondering if there is something more out there. Am I getting to use all the range of my skills in these in these jobs? I feel like I have more to give, but unfortunately, the the requirements of the role that I was in didn't didn't allow me to really bring what I needed or what I could. So it made me kind of think, and then you know, you internalize that, and you're going, I'm f- not feeling fulfilled. Mm. I wonder if there's more out there. Hey. I'll try something else. Now, because I'd had a teaching degree, I always had like a, a net to fall back on to say, well, if these things don't work out, I could always <laughs> go back and teach. And that was 20 years ago and I still haven't gone back. I do teach now, but I teach branding now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think holds people back from making that shift? You know, because I'm sure there are people out there who know that they're unfulfilled, yeah. but they don't take action like like what you did to change careers. Like what what's going on for them? The change in stability from having a job to going into the unknown, I think, is the is the biggest thing. They think, well, I've got stability. I've got a, you know, maybe maybe it's you know commitments, children, a house, mortgage, all of those sort of things, or just being too scared to try something and get out of their comfort zone. In many cases, people aren't fully aware of the true range of their capabilities, so they become stuck in their mindset and then stuck in their in their roles or in their profession or industry, but they don't realize that there's so much more to them that is transferable into other uh, platforms and industries as well. So it's that is that fear of mm. of going getting out and trying something new. Yeah, that's absolutely. usually it. Yeah, they go. Well, what else can I do? And having worked with so many people, there is a lot that you can do if, know, you, if you, you're willing to try. I know yeah. you talk about um, your blind spots, like your professional yes. blind spots. Yeah. Can we talk about that a bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. Do you see that in your clients who are in that 37 year old oh, crisis? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> talk to me about that. Yeah, so so blind spots in in your career typically result of being professional or, or not having that sort of professional self-awareness. You're not aware of who and what you are and the impact that you can have or the value that you can bring. Yeah. So those blind spots are things that um, they they're in they're outside your field of vision in your professional career. And it's usually around your capabilities and also the value that those capabilities can bring to an organization. So what I love to do with my clients is I like to reveal those blind spots because when they're revealed, they become your secret weapon that can can really, yeah, get ahead of the competition. Can you give me an example of that? Yes. So I had a prime example of that this morning before we came here working with a a, a client. Um, She's 39. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's actually her birthday today, funnily enough. And and, and helping her reveal her blind spots. And then she walked away out of the meeting going, oh, my God, I, I didn't realize I had all of these things. And this is valuable to an organization. And she's at a senior level. What were her blind spots? It was really around helping organizations create powerful messages and influential marketing um, and and understanding how user experience and user experience design now is a key fundamental function of marketing and how to build marketing around the user, not around the company. And that was really interesting. So when we we explored that and she goes, well, I love user experience design. I said, do you bring it into your marketing? She goes, yes. I said, but you're not capitalizing on it. You're not telling people this is your focus. And she goes, oh, wow. And I said, that has value. So what did she think she was doing well at? What what did she think was her valuable skill set? 
I think it was round about it was round marketing strategy for global right. brands right. and 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 influential marketing. Um, but she's also really good at generational marketing. She understands the different divides between the millennials and the Gen Zs and the and the other ones, you know, the, the Gen Xs in there mm. as well. And understanding, hey, this is what these people value. How can we tailor marketing around that? So it was also she was. Saying that, but not really demonstrating that so much in in her branding. Right. And I'd love to talk about that later in terms of how we can communicate that value. Yes. Um, I'm curious to know, did you discover your own blind spots during your career, you know, explorations? I did. I did. Um, I've always been, I've always loved teaching. So, I, I, you know, whether it would be high school teaching, I run a lot of seminars, I run a lot of workshops now. I love teaching. So I'm just teaching a different subject now or format I think my when I realized after working with so many clients that my my key value or my blind spot that I've revealed is I'm really good at helping you connect the dots in your head mm. so a lot of people have so much noise floating around in their head that stops them from getting that clarity to know what direction to take their career in I'm really good at helping you kind of declutter it's almost like the Mary Kondo of <laughs> of your, of, of your, your head mind. yeah yeah of yeah. your mind yeah and it's amazing because like no high school teacher is going to tell you that you can do that as a job. Yes. Like that does no. not come up in the list of potential careers. <laughs> no, definitely not. Like this is something that I realised like after starting my own business, I realised yeah. like no one tells you that you can make up your own job. No. Like that's just not a thing. I know, and you're doing it as well, aren't you? <laughs> I just made this. Like, you know, I decided yes. I want to help people to communicate better. Yes. No one told me in school you could be a professional speaker or yes. a coach or a consultant. Like that just never – I know. It was like, you can be an engineer. Yes. I'm like, ugh. That's funny enough because that's actually what I started off as, as an engineer. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I remember I walked out of an engineering exam. I was still studying and I thought, I hate this. I thought this is what I wanted to do because that's what I should be doing, you know, follow a traditional means. But then I thought, nah, this is not giving me that sense of fulfillment. I'm going to try something else. Went back to university and became studied education. So how can people identify their blind spots? I think it's through a process of really sort of understanding what I call your professional identity. And through understanding your professional identity, you you gain a much... A stronger uh, idea of your of of self awareness as a professional, and your professional identity is really around, you know, what are you? What is your professional label? What are you calling yourself? What are the problems that you're able to solve for organisations or businesses or people? If you work directly with people, what are your what is your skills in solving those problems? Mm. What is um what do you have an area of specialisation? How do you want people to perceive you? What are your goals? So it's really understanding you and helping you become an authority on yourself first. And then once you understand that, then you're able to start figuring out how you're going to start branding yourself. So that becomes the cornerstone of your brand is really understanding what am I actually branding? So what's the so what's the difference between professional identity and professional brand or personal brand? Yeah. Um, so professional identity, I think, forms the cornerstone of your brand. It's the foundation. Okay. A lot of times people come to me and they go, right, can you, can you help me brand me? I, I want to br- do my branding. I said, oh, okay, well, what are we exactly branding? We've got you know, to understand what it is that we're working with mm. here. And, and that's where a lot of people come, you know, really get stuck because they don't know what, where they need to start exploring about themselves. So you know, I've created a framework over the last six years of how to help people kind of unpack themselves in a structured way, figure out all the different components that are part of them, then as part of that figuring out what their goal is and then repackaging them back together again and then creating a really strong, compelling brand message 
that really um, it captures everything about you yeah, as yeah. a professional in your field. So it's starting with that self-awareness first. Absolutely. And that's that's the thing. And and so many times, you know, that lack of professional self-awareness I found can can really stunt our careers. For example, you know, if, if we're not aware of what who and what we are, we, we we struggle to communicate that to other people. And if we're confused, imagine what it's going to be like for other people if we try and communicate that. And in many cases, what we end up doing is we end up underselling ourselves. And I see this time and time again of, of people who have pitched themselves too low because they're not professionally aware of themselves and their range of their capabilities and those blind spots we were talking about. And revealing that, they go, wow, I've seriously been underselling myself. I can do so much more. I'm just not talking about it. And so what ends up happening is they take jobs that are far below their capability. Six months into the job, they go, oh, man, this is just not cutting it. Mm. And then as a result of underselling themselves, they get underpaid. In many cases, that can really hold our career back. And I've worked with people who, who've realized what their blind spots are, realized their value, realized their brand, and then for their next job got 20 grand more. I worked with a guy recently, got 50 grand pay increase wow. just from changing jobs because now he knew the value of him and, and his brand. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I think, I think it's, you know, it's so important to have someone like yourself who knows how to extract all this, right, to do this because I can imagine like it's very difficult to do this for yourself. It's kind of like writing your own LinkedIn profile yes. or your own copy on your website. Yes, yes. It's so hard because you're so close to it. You can't see it and that's why it's called a blind spot, that, right? That's exactly it. You've, you've nailed it. I mean, I I work with other coaches, for example, um, and help them with their branding and they go, hang on a second, I'm a coach. I should know how to do this. Yeah. And what I've <laughs> said is like, no, you, you, you're too close to it. You need someone to pull you out of the forest I always liken myself to like, imagine that you're in the forest and you can't see the wood for the trees and that represents your career. You're so close to it every single day. So what I do is I fly over with a helicopter and I drop the rope down and I pull you out and you can, I give you an aerial view now. Oh, I love that. And then, and then you can actually see the wood for the trees and then I drop you back in again and go, right, now you know, the, now you know how to get out. Now you know how to navigate that forest. Can we talk about how to communicate your value? Because I know you you, you mentioned this before and I want to dive in. All right. So what is the struggle that people have when talking about themselves in a way that positions themselves in the best light? There's there's a couple of things. Firstly, one of the reasons that that we struggle to talk about ourselves is because from a very young age we've been told it's not right to talk about ourselves. And so if you're a modest person and modesty is a good virtue to have, therefore we shouldn't talk about ourselves. Um, so when we're asked, hey, so tell me a bit about yourself, we're instantly conflicted with this, oh, hang on a second, I shouldn't be talking about myself. So we tend to dial our, our voice down, our professional voice. But there are so many ways that we can actually amplify our voice and amplify our brand. And talking is just one of those things. But there are great other ways to communicate it as well. Um, creating content getting that, that, that information in your head out, whether it be writing blogs, whether it be doing what we're doing now, a podcast, creating video, speaking engagements, even commenting on other people's posts and putting your own two cents in is a great way to raise your visibility. Um, I always say that when you become visible, you become valuable. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so you've got to amplify your visibility. And a lot of people go, oh, but I'm an introvert. I, I'm not comfortable with being visible. And I said, you know what? You, you don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to, to be extroverted. You can do it in your own way. For example, writing content and publishing those ideas in your head or your opinions or, your, or, or what your knowledge is, 
is, is a great way to amplify your brand as well in your own way. Video is another great way for introverts because you're not dealing with people, you're dealing with a camera. Jonathan, <laughs> do you know how hard it is to speak on camera? <laughs> But that's the great thing. You can stop and you can start it, it and you terrifying. can pause it. It's <laughs> it is. Terrifying. Okay, okay. Let's let's backtrack a little bit. Why does being visible make you more valuable? It creates it's part of perception management as well. Okay. When you're when you're visible, more people know how to use you. More people can say, hey, this is the value this person brings because I've seen them demonstrate it. I'm I'm aware of their their presence and I'm aware of what they do. Um, I and then that you start positioning yourself through that as a bit of a subject matter expert. You know, certain generations do it better than others. For example, millennials and Gen Zs—they're very good at at raising their visibility. That comes for many, not all. I'm not generalizing, but it's it's kind of a thing that it's okay for me to put my voice out there. Yeah. Whereas other generations, like like the Gen Xs, well, they really struggle with being visible because they're head down, bum up sort of type of people, working, working, working mm. away in the background. And that's why they get forgotten in many ways. So a lot of what I do is working with Gen Xs on helping them sort of amplify their voice and become visible so they, they can become valuable. And Gen X is like how old? Like what age bracket? Usually you're about mid-30s, late 30s, right. 37, a little bit off. So 40 to around about 55, almost even 60s, so yep. just before that that boomer. So that's that that kind of silent generation, they call it, that, that almost forgotten generation sandwiched between the, the baby boomers and the and the millennials. And, and have you seen all the memes going around, okay, boomer memes, that's just flooding the internet right now, while the Gen Xs are sitting in the middle with their popcorn watching the insults fly. But then again, it's skipped a whole generation. So how about, say, within your company? So let's say you're wanting to build up your visibility, you know, in your company and be the first, you know, top of mind for new opportunities and roles and that sort of thing. How, but if you don't like going out and, you know, schmoozing, some people call it, yes. you know, talking about yourself, yes. how can you then communicate your value? So, so there's a number of strategies that you can you can actually do for that. Yep. Um, pick a, pick an area of your expertise. So within your role, what do you do particularly well that you enjoy doing? We call it like your specialist area. Maybe it is in customer engagement or maybe it is a business process improvement or systems or anything else like that you do in your job. And you go, where else or how can I position myself as a leader in that space? Where can I get some runs on the board to say, hey, this is how I've transform that aspect of the company and be then be seen as that that mm. dominant force of doing that. So choose one or two areas that you know you're really good at and then look for other opportunities to get involved and do that in the company. Another way to do it is also it's hard to build your brand and get noticed if you just do your role. You have to go beyond, beyond your role. So that means you have to be visible in other parts of the business. Um, that explain what that looks like? Yeah. So if you know that there's a project coming up and it's not necessarily in your department, but there's a portion of that project that falls into your specialist area okay. that you're really good at, approach the project manager and say, hey, I've got a lot of or a bit of knowledge or I'm really passionate about this. When you come to doing this part of the project, I'd love to get involved. Obviously, you're going to have to clear it with your manager if you can mm -hmm. or even become seconded into that particular position for a while. And that's a greater way of sort of raising your visibility, um, especially if your role doesn't give you all the, the, the things that you need to do to be able to really unleash all of your capabilities. So get involved and go beyond your role. Um, be seen as a contributor. Find ways that you can advise others. 
um, in, in other departments, especially if you've got a bigger, larger organization. Companies like to pro- promote people from within, I believe. It's, it's, a, it's an easier to backfill a role, I think, than have to, than have to find someone who is at a higher expertise level. Mm. So, get, you know, finding opportunities in the organization to build more muscles, in other words, and more skills is a great way to do that. So with the clients that you've worked with who, yeah, I take it you've, you know, su- suggested that some of them go do this? Yes. Yeah. What, do they face any, like, internal resistance from, for doing that? Some have, some haven't. Some, some managers embrace that and they go, oh, yeah, we'd love that. I was working with a really large organisation this week um, with, their, with a lot of their, their managers and that company – it really loves to promote from within. And they said, we want to grow our people. This is a large organization and we wanted them to feel that they're taken care of. You know, people stay at this company for 15, 20 years and they go, but we want, there's so many other opportunities that they can. We want to grow them. Mm. So that's why they engaged me to come in and start teaching them about branding and how they can do those other sort of things by reaching out to other departments and other managers and other units to say, hey, I've solved this problem for my for my department, and I see you're having a similar problem, would you like to have a ca- catch up over a coffee and I can share my strategies with you? It's a great way of getting known within a, a larger organization mm. as well. Yeah. Some managers, though, are like, no, stay in your role, know your place. And that's a really good indication then of how invested they are in your career growth. And at some point, that's when people go, yeah, there might not be a future for me in this organization in terms of how I want to grow. And that gives them a time to reevaluate where they're at. Yeah. So I guess any response is going to be helpful. Yes. Because if it's yeah. positive, hey, you get the opportunity. And if it's not positive, then it's like, well, maybe. That's right. It's a good clue that maybe they're not the right company for that's you. That's right. Or you risk a career stagnation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you're not, what's the saying? If you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Sorry to get all morbid on you there for a moment. <laughs> so, Jonathan, wrapping it all up, for someone who might be in their career feeling a bit unfulfilled and not quite sure of the next steps, you know, what words of advice do you have for them? So, if they're feeling, find out what, what part of your job makes you happy. You know, sometimes you've got to take the good with the bad in a job. You know, not everything you can do in a day will fulfill you. Find opportunities to do more of that. Or if that's, or looking at your job and going, what do I really love to do? So many times people make career decisions based on logic and what their head tells them to do. Hey, this is the logical progression. I now need to go into a management role and then work myself up. I know a lot of unhappy managers who wish they could be back down doing what they love in the trenches. Um, But it's hard to go backwards um, for a lot of them. So find out something that you love. Find out what you're passionate about. I find that, you know, a lot of times people feel a bit unfulfilled as maybe they're they're a generalist. They're the jack of all trades. They haven't found their groove and their niche. And that's what I love helping my clients Mm -hmm. sort of do is find out their area of passion and specialization and then creating a brand on that so they get to do more of those things that they do love. And Jonathan, what would you say to people who – and maybe they've been in a role for, you know, 10, 20, you know, years or so. Yes. And they know that it's just not right. Like it's very stressful. It's very draining. But they're afraid that if they change industries, they're going to have to take a huge pay cut. Is this, you know, because I don't know about this. Is it mm. true that you do have to take a massive pay cut if you change industries? No, no, it's not. If you change, comp- if you, if you, 
if you're doing one thing and you've worked out, you know, you, you've successful at doing that thing, you can change industry. It's, I'm not, but you could also change, but that's different to changing profession. So profession yeah. means that you, you're doing one thing and now you're doing a completely different thing. Like you're a project manager and then you're a hairdresser. Yes, that's okay. it. That <laughs> makes it, that makes it, you know, difficult. Um, I've, I've worked with many people who change careers and you've got to have, be realistic about the expectations. Um, but it also helps you if you understand what your transferable skills are and the value that those can bring to an organization, well, then you might not have to take that pay cut. Mm-hmm. As long, and it all comes down to being able to aligning what you previously were doing to the business problems that that organization is facing that you can help them fix. Repeat so, that last bit because that's important. <laughs> well, that, just quickly, I'll backtrack because you, you yeah, asked sure. me about value earlier yeah. on. So, so if you want to figure out your value, there's a very simple formula that you can use. And that is figuring out, okay, what are the problems I'm good at helping businesses solve? That's the first thing. So look back over your career. Where have I improved business functions or changed something that has had a positive impact on the business? So that's the first thing. What business problems do I solve and I'm good at solving? Then what are my capabilities around solving that? We call that your skills. So how do I solve that? What is my areas of expertise and my knowledge and my experience that makes me really good at that? And the third thing then is going okay, what impact can I have on an organization by taking them from a position of pain, putting them through my process of transformation to a position of gain? And this can help you kind of reevaluate how to position yourself, not as another potential bum-on-a-seat employee or another person applying for a job, but more of a solution to a problem. You become the solution. Right, so that's and that another is way. true value there. That is true value, yeah. Not just saying, hey, I'm just applying for this job. I want to be another potential bum-on-a-seat employee here. no. I'm going to help you solve these problems due to my level of expertise and experience. I love that. Well, Jonathan, this has been so awesome having you um, on the show. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom. You're very welcome. Can you share with us um, who are the people that should be reaching out to you and uh, where can they find you? I, I work with people um, who, one, they, they know what their goal is, for example. This is the first category. They know what their goal is. They just don't know how to brand or how they should be packaging themselves to be able to get there. So I can help them align all their skills and experience to that goal. And that's vitally important. The second one are people who just come to a career, a career crossroads and they go, I want to do something different. I'm not sure what that is. I'm feeling a bit lost. There's a lot of noise in my head. I don't know which way to go. And I work with a lot of people at that. Or um, business owners, people who want to start a business and they want to go, I need to get my branding right because your personal brand becomes your business brand. The other category that I love working with, and it's the Gen Xs, um, because, you know, they've maybe got 20 years uh, experience behind themselves, but we need to now make sure that your brand message is in alignment for which stage you're at in your career. Is your brand message reflecting the old you, or do you need to update that, or do you want to make those next 20 years absolutely epic? And those are the type of people I, I love working with. Love the easiest way to get hold of me is um, on my website. That's um, www.johnmaltby.com.au or Jonathan Maltby. Just look at me up on, um, on LinkedIn. Awesome. And I know you're very active on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. As well. Yeah, yeah. So definitely connect with, with Jonathan on, on LinkedIn. Thanks again, Jonathan. This has been great. Thanks very much for having me. A huge thanks to Jonathan Maltby for being such a wonderful guest on the show this week and for sharing his stories and wisdom. You can find out more about what he does at johnmaltby.com um, or visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 244. Link, as always, is in the description of this podcast in your app. 
Thank you so much for joining me today for the podcast. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs>